correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And we're going to talk some RPGs, but before we get into that, we have a podcast for the week we want to shout out. Yep. This week on the D20 Network, we're going to talk about the court games, well, I call it the court games family of podcasts because there's like three of them. Right. There's the one that's called Court Games, there's one called Fortune and Strife, and there's one called Crimson Gold Agonies. Correct. All of them center around Legend of the Five Rings in various forms, iterations, etc., be it lore, cards, RPGs, whatever. Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune and Strife are both actual plays. And uh, I believe it's Crimson Gold Agonies is done much more in the style of an audio drama, but Fortune and Strife is is a little more of a what do you want to say? You get some of the dice rolls, some table talk, that kind of things. And if I saw the last post they put up on the uh, D twenty Network Discord, right, they're actually doing some stuff with the Adventures in Rokugan book that Edge put out. That is the five E D and D adaptation of the setting. Oh, very cool. Yeah, very cool. Cool stuff happening over there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you actually came up with the topic, well, sort of based on the conversation we had on the Discord for tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you go ahead and give us a little rundown? Well, so Brett was was asking us to talk about, you know, the five or ten games in our stack that we really want to get to play and haven't yet. And that kind of got me thinking a little bit about you know, like, what's your dream game? Mm-hmm. And so I just thought we could kind of go from there. Well, I'll, I'll answer Brett's question, because <laughs> I've thought about that a good bit recently. The, like, five games in my stack that I haven't got to play yet, in no particular order, is, like, Slay Industries 2nd Edition, um, Twilight 2000, the newest edition. I've been wanting to play Tales from the Loop for a long time, haven't gotten it actually on a table. We, I think, played one session. I think we did the session zero. Yeah, we did session zero. <laughs> I don't want to run it, but I would love to have somebody run me the uh, Dresden Files RPG. I have a copy of it, and I just want to play that. And then Cold Cities. It's been on my radar. It's been in my thing. I just haven't gotten a chance to really read over it and play it yet. And I know it's a really cool system, but uh just haven't gotten that chance yet. You know, there's a, a lot of crossover. Um, <laughs> I, I would like to do something with Slay. I, I'm really intrigued with the setting. Curious about the system. Um, Twilight 2000. Cold City keeps creeping back into my mind just because I love that that kind of that era history, the, you know, post-Nazi. You that know. Cold War era. Man, yeah. that Cold War era. Especially early Cold War like that. Yeah. Um. I I really would love to do something with Savage Worlds, probably Sha- Savage Rifts specifically. Mm-hmm. Savage Rifts would be fun. And boy, 
I've got this gnawing in the back of my head idea that I really want to try something with Knights Black Agents. Mm. If we're going, you know, in, in systems, I don't really have experience with. That's that's where I think I'm at, probably. I think that was five. I don't know if that was five or not. Yeah, I'm sure. Probably close to five. <laughs> it was five-ish. <laughs> um, but I think I almost find it kind of more fast. You know, I w- that got me thinking, though, you know, what... What is that that dream game that I want to either run or play in? And I, I don't know that I don't know that they're different. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like in in some ways, yes. But I think the See, elements. My, <laughs> my short list or my like want to play short list and my dream game are very different. Fair. My dream game, my long, my like desert island game that I would like be in hog heaven if i could just play this for the rest of eternity would be a long form game of cyberpunk 2020 run by somebody else i'm i'm good at it i can do it i'm sure i would have a fine time doing it recently i have been wanting to play other systems i've just been wanting to play stuff mm-hmm. and i think part of that comes down to i've had a consistent game for the past almost a year at this point and i'm ready to be a player again <laughs> That's, I'm I never mean, I, I can never do the forever GM stuff. I just can't. <laughs> I can do it for a while. And then I get to this point where I look at other stuff and I'm like, I want to play something else. <laughs> yeah, see, I I like GMing. I unfortunately just haven't been able to get anything to stick for me in a while in, in terms of, you know, with just scheduling and, and everything else. But yeah, I think of it when I think about dream game, I honestly, I think more in terms of the elements I want in the game and not necessarily the system. Okay. Okay. And, and I'm not, I'm not by any, in any way saying, you know, the way you think of it isn't right or valid or anything like that. Just, you know, when, when I think about it, I'm thinking, you know, I would like, um, you know, like pretty heavy on intrigue, but also lots of action. Like, and I think maybe some of that is, you know, in my teens and 20s, I read an absolute crap ton of Tom Clancy. Right. And I I mean, you know, formulaic, yes, in a way, but still were some pretty entertaining stories. I mean, it's Clancy there. He was considered a prolific author for a reason. <laughs> yeah. It's not because you could get a copy of any of his books at any airport. It was more so that there are a handful of his books that are just phenomenal. Oh, I mean, and, or even better than a handful. Look at all the stuff that's based off of it. Seriously. I, I still say, and I think, and I'd have to look up exactly what order he wrote them in, but hunt for red October is just, and I mean, even the film adaptation, which is in my mind, one of the better book to film adaptations I've ever seen. It's just like, it's kind of this combination of, boy, it's just so crazy that I'll try it, <laughs> you know? And I've heard, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I've heard that when they actually were initially um, talking to Sean Connery to take the role of uh, Marco Ramius, that when they faxed him the script, he initially turned them down because the fiction disclaimer didn't come through. And he thought it was at least somewhat based in reality. <laughs> he didn't want. Yeah, he didn't want to be part of that. that was semi-documentary. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and, and like I said, I think intrigue and action, and, and I say action as opposed to combat, because combat, I think, for me, can it can flip me into that hyper-tactical, you know, full-on math brain mode, where action is, like, I get the kind of the same rush, but I don't necessarily go math mode. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel that. I, um, see, that's why my, like, cyberpunk is, like, just the go-to for me. Because any kind of story told in cyberpunk, I'm there for. You tell me, a, you, you, you tell me to make some kind of thief character, I make a thief character, and we do, you know, we... Heisty stuff. Heisty stuff. You tell me that I'm a hit squad. Okay, I'm gonna be a hit squad. Like, that's why I'm always down for cyberpunk things, because everything in that genre fits in my wheelhouse of things I'm entertained in. And also my brain fills in those gaps. So just a tangent, this is why I don't get into fantasy so much is because my brain is not wired in a way that I fill in fantasy gaps, right? Mm -hmm. So if you tell me to describe a tavern, I'm going to describe the most basic tavern I've ever seen. Like of like, I'm going to describe something that looks like it came out of the Lord of the Rings movie. Mm -hmm. If you tell me to describe a cityscape in a cyberpunk future or to describe a bar at a cyberpunk, you know, setting, I can give you detailed and in-depth descriptions of what this room looks like. Is it packed? Is it dead? Is it smoke filled? Is it not? Is the music loud? Like that all clicks in my brain in the right way. Mm -hmm. Whereas like a fantasy setting, I have to be like, well, there's live music because we don't have anything that plays music. Well, there is a, a bartender and they, they're this. And it, it's like, I, I can't, I have to actively put effort in. Meanwhile, if you tell me just fill in the blanks on X, I can do that. Mm -hmm. No, I think, yeah. Uh, well, I see, I feel that's where I tend more towards pseudo modern settings. Let's call it that or, or sci-fi, but stuff based, you know, a little more around the reality that we live as opposed to, like you said, like the Lord of the Rings or whatever. But yeah, and I just, you know, like I said, though, I, I find it interesting that, that you went, oh, I want this system. And I, for as much as I'm in a way a system junkie, I didn't go there. <laughs> but uh, the other thing that, that I've noticed that I have a fascination with, and, and this kind of occurred to me because it was recently Shark Week for Discovery and their apps and all that. And, and so... I don't know. I got into watching deep sea ocean stuff and realized how much I'm fascinated by things that not a lot is known about. Look, all I'm saying is if you say you're taking a submarine trip, I'm going to tell you that the podcast is over and I'll find <laughs> a new host. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. No, 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 I, no Steve submarine trips. How about that? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying if I was offered a trip in a legit actual submarine, like not like oh yeah yeah experimental no, if, thing. If you're offered you a trip to... in a legit submarine, <laughs> then that's a different conversation. But if you're offered a trip to go to see the Titanic and it's uh, I don't know made out of carbon fiber and run by a PlayStation controller, maybe don't. I... Maybe don't. And I'm not making light of any sort of. I'm not gonna be that guy. And make light out of people's loss, but like, 
I don't know, for me, common sense kicks in at some point and I go, I don't need to see it that bad. Well, I'm reminded of something that a guy that used to be kind of known as the crabby old Brit around one of the uh, old uh, motorcycle forums I used to hang out with a lot. He was, again, like I said, kind of known as the crabby old Brit, but he used to have a saying and it was something along the lines of there's nothing wrong with thinking outside the box as long as that box doesn't have sound engineering written on the outside of it. <laughs> and and it, once you got to know him, it actually made all the sense in the world because, you know, just him living in the UK and having to meet the standards that they have to over there, he didn't do some of the, uh, shall we say, more experimental stuff that you would see people on this side of the ocean doing for the reason being that yeah, he'd seen people try it, and it didn't pass the standards that their stuff had to pass. But that's a little bit of a digression, I think. But I meant more like in the context of like, I, you know, I, and sometimes I'll put stuff on that theoretically, yes, I'm watching it, but it's more of a, a background noise thing that I'm listening to. Stuff about, you know, some of the, you know, lost shipwrecks and, and just, but to me, it's fascinating things that, we don't understand or we only partially understand. And I think that for me is also an attraction for gaming because there can be so much there where it is a, a strange new world, so to speak. But that's a weird line to get into because, you know, that, that also, you know, how you can't just do that over and over again. And then how do you create a character in a game that you know, where you know nothing about the world or how does your character not know things about the world? You know what I mean? Right. So that, that puts me in six places at once that don't overlap. And that confuses me. Um, speaking of another game that I have that I'm very curious about, Frag 2E just showed up like last week. Or oh, yeah, ago. that looks awesome. That looks awesome, awesome. Oh, the books are gorgeous. Yeah, that's the thing I'll say about all of those Frag games is, man, they got an artist. And they know what they're doing because <laughs> that shit's great. <laughs> Just yeah, ease. and and you know, and they're in you know Wade also Wade Dyer, the the main author there, has a theory about world building, and and I don't want to horribly misquote it, but it's like for him, it's a third familiar, a third unusual, and a third new, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I I I retweeted a tweet he put up about it on our Twitter, I don't know, a week or two ago, but. You know, he has this basically theory of thirds in, in world building where a third of it is, so to speak, comfortable, familiar structure. A third of it is, well, kind of new, but something you, you kind of know about. And a third of it is new stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting theory. And I think I tried to talk to him about that when we had him on way back, but I don't remember us getting a long way with it. Yeah, I don't remember a lot coming out of that, but... But so that's yeah. that to me is an element for, a, so to speak, a dream game too, is is some of that exploration and discovery, which yeah. pr probably is why part of me really wants to... And, and not that I wouldn't run it, but part of me really does want to play in like a pretty big epic Star Wars game. And that could be pretty much any system. I mean, the FFG system... Edge, whatever is is great, and, and I love it. But it, I think for me, it's more about the the things I'm experiencing than the system itself. 
Is that right? Like, I, I know that seems kind of weird in a, in a context where experiencing is, is hearing other people say things, not actually having a traditional experience. Let's put it that way. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, and, and the funny thing is, is like, I hear myself say that and, and none of that seems that far out of reach, but it seems that it's incredibly difficult to put together at the same time. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yes. It is incredibly difficult to get everything in order. And, and like, and I guess too, the other thing is, and, and I can say this, I think with a fair amount of certainty, you know, I, I say, I want, you know, action, whatever. And yet, you know, most of the Tom Clancy books for the first half of the book, it's all set up you know, then yeah, stuff does start happening. And I think he was particularly good at, at simultaneous ramping, which I'm sure is a whole lot easier to do in print than it would be in running an RPG campaign. But you know what I mean? Like, like he would have all these different segments of his plot that were gradually coming together, all kind of ramping up, you know, evenly. And I don't know, it's a goal, right? Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I think it's, uh, I don't know. It's really interesting, and I would love to. Yeah, that's another game that's on the short list. Is is Fragged Empire Second Edition? Um, man, that that game's so freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's pretty. It's so pretty. It really uh, is. I need to read the system because he describes it as medium crunch. But talking with him about it, it feels like it's it's on a similar level to. You know, I'm just going to say generically D and D. Yeah, but we described that as like medium crunch. Yeah, well, that's that's how I remember Wade specifically describing it as medium crunch. Yeah, so if it's on par with D and D, I would say then it probably is medium crunch. Yeah, you know, it it probably if if I remember again because I've been looking at the lore book, not so much the system book, but I believe it effectively works a lot like D and D as far as role plus bonuses trying to beat target number except he uses 3d6 instead of a d20 mm. um but that is me going off of memory of an interview from a long time ago and not the book sitting three feet to my left <laughs> right <laughs> right hey, I, and then i guess the, i wonder too does that affect me as is to how I want to GM things. If if I'm looking for that discovery, how do I do that as a GM? Because as a GM, don't I need to know kind of what's being discovered? Nah, <laughs> that's not necessary. Coming from somebody who flies absolutely by the seat of my pants. Nah. <laughs> um, Man, there's been so many wild discoveries in my games that people have been like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, great. I'm glad you really like that. I had no clue. No clue what was going on until you guys got there. <laughs> I mean, I, I was listening to a podcast today, and I, I won't bother to say which one because, it, well, it's one I've mentioned a lot. Um, But the, the two individuals that, that run said podcast were talking about setting elements and, you know, if they're defined or if they're intentionally left unknown – and kind of saying that, well, if you this, this, and if you that, that, and you better blah, 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 which, you know, had me thinking about um, how the morning is defined in Eberron. Because mm -hmm. Eberron is another, I mean, you know. Yeah, we, that's, a I got game. To... that's a game, and I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but 
talking about the morning and how it's described is kind of funny because everything else in that game is very highly, highly, highly detailed, much mm-hmm. like a noir novel would be. And the morning is like, I don't know, something happened. Something in the desert happened. We don't talk about that. <laughs> but it, it, it's intentionally been left undefined. Right. Right. It's so that you, the, you, the GM can go, Hmm, I'll play with the morning a little bit. Right. And, and that's like, yeah, it, it, I guess in a way that maybe that's a discovery element because Eberron is a, is a setting that again, I, I could really get some, but Eberron is weird and there's so many different angles to it, you know, like just, just the way different things are handled because I mean, you know, <laughs> we've both heard Keith talk about it a lot and what, and so much of it was done is, well, what if we did this? And then what would that make happen over here? And what would that make happen over here? And so on and so forth. Right. And whereas like, it feels like what initially looks like a haphazard stack of bowling pins that you realize is all actually very carefully placed. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the dominoes. It's it, at at a glance, dominoes look like they're just sort of set around. But as you start looking into them deeper, you notice that they're actually set up in a pattern. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's dominoes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, and and look, I'll I'll be honest. You know, half the reason I figured we could talk about this this topic too, as far as dream games and so forth, is you know, look, if you're on our Discord. Tell us what you you would have as a dream game, and we can all hash stuff out and talk about whatever. And right, or you know, come join the Discord. Um, we we get into some interesting conversations. Uh, today, there's a little bit of talk about Werewolf Five. Um, yeah, fifth edition of Werewolf, which there's some legitimate you know arguments for and against that system. I think it's a really interesting thing. There was a nice conversation happening over there. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Links for that are in the just you know show note description, uh, you you know on your podcatcher or whatever of choice. Um, and Werewolf is another. I wouldn't put it as a dream game, but Werewolf is a the whole kind of. I don't even know what it is about it, but there's something in that that I find more interesting for me than most of the other assorted of darkness games. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting game. Other than maybe Hunter, I might find Hunter very interesting too. Yeah, I I keep him hawing around about. I I still want to play vampire. I want to play vampire because it's vampire, and I know that does nothing for you. I know you're like eh. I'm just not that into the whole actual vampire thing. I understand that, but it's for me. It's kind of like this is a I don't know. I just need to put the feather in my cap. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm not in any way poo pooing anyone that that wants to play it or loves to play it or, or any of that. I think most of my play experience with that system came at a time when I didn't understand what it was trying to do. Right. And so that may have colored, you know, a bit of my experience with it, but I yeah. was also, you know, that was at the uh, late nineties, you know, interview with a vampire had been huge and there was the Aaron spelling TV thing and, it was just like, really? <laughs> yeah, I get it. You were oversaturated. Well, it's kind of like how I feel about like zombie media now. Mm-hmm. I could care less for a zombie game, but you know, if it came out, I'd be like, hey, that's cool. 
I'll check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's where we sort of going to be kind of a um, interesting conversation. I mean, I'd love to hear what other people think their like dream dream game to be. Yeah, um, and and I wonder, you know, like for me, I, you know, I I I feel like that sort of intrigue and action and let's call it dramatic tension, which, which could have horror elements. Cause I think the horror elements build dramatic tension incredibly well. I feel like those are things that, that I try to shoot for a lot of the time when I'm running games. So I don't know. I don't know how much difference, honestly, there is in that, that white whale of a game that I want to run is between, you know, that and, and, and the one I want to play. Right. Right. You know, where you, you seem to have a, a much more defined line there, so to speak. Well, you got to understand, though, I mean, from my perspective, let me put it this mm-hmm. way. As a, a, a kid getting into tabletop RPGs and then growing into an adult that's into tabletop RPGs, I always wanted to play cyberpunk. I've read that book cover to cover for like years before we even met. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was always like, I was my first obsession in tabletop RPGs. And so it has remained my obsession in tabletop RPGs. That's fair. And so that's why I'm like, my dream game is to get this long form. But like, I've always had that dream game. That's always been the case for me. Mm-hmm. As much as I'd like to sit down at the critical role table and play some D&D or whatever with them, you know, whatever game they're running, I still, at the end of the day, would love to sit down and play Cyberpunk 2020, Cyberpunk Red, either one. Both are good. Uh, probably 2020, but either way. And and do it in a way, you know, do it where it's a long form thing. And that's that's I play that weekly for, say, three years, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'd love that. Uh, that's like, but that's always been what I've wanted. I never wanted to play D and D for years and years and years and years and years. <laughs> I, there's a joke there, I think, but uh, you know, I, I sometimes wonder if anybody actually wants to play D and D for years and years and years, or if they just want to play and D and D is the only thing they can get I... all agree on for years and years and years. I've met a lot of people that are diehard Dungeons and Dragons fans. I've met a lot of people that are diehard Dungeons and Dragons fans, mainly because I run Dungeons and Dragons at a game store open to the public. Mm -hmm. And it's not a game store that's particularly interested in tabletop RPGs. If I'm completely honest, I love my buddy Mario. He runs a great shop. He's not particularly interested in tabletop RPGs because we don't have a crowd that's interested in tabletop RPGs. Mm -hmm. So... That all being said, you know, I I meet those people that are like, oh, Dungeons and Dragons. And it's like, well, what about another system? No, but Dungeons and Dragons. And those people jump ship to Pathfinder because Pathfinder was 3.75. Mm-hmm. And then those people jumped right back to 5th edition and brought new players to 5th edition. And that's why it got the boom it did. And if they fumbled the ball with 1E uh, or with 1, it, they're going to jump ship to whatever the next uh adi- you know whatever the closest edition is going to be that might be stay on five we saw that we saw that when four came out a lot of people stayed on three and was like you know we got three five and i got pathfinder supplements if i want stuff i'm good yeah and then you know 
four, which is a really interesting system, but people stayed on three. And, and I... it's kind of like Windows. Windows is the same way. Um, Microsoft, when they put out a new version of Windows, everybody goes, huh, I'm going to leave that over there. And the early adopters are going to jump right on it and be like, this is great or this is terrible. And depending on what their response is, everybody else kind of goes, I'm going to stay right here or I'm going to go ahead and move on. So, But it's a whole lot easier to play an unsupported RPG than it is to use an unsupported operating system. Yes and no. <laughs> See, I mean, Windows, much like Windows, much like uh, Dungeons and Dragons has in the past, it uh, unsupported doesn't mean that it's not getting any kind of support. It just means that it's not the most recent version. Fair. Well, that's a thought. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I I've often felt like, at least for me, D and D was the game that a lot of times you settled on. Because it was like the common language. Yeah, it's the stopgap game. It's the uh. <laughs> it's the stopgap. It's the well, nobody else here knows anything else, and they're not really interested in learning anything else. So we'll just play some Dungeons and Dragons, and it'll be fine. And it is for uh, well, for a lot of people, it is, and and good for them. I just end up bored. Somehow. I don't disagree with you. The only thing I'll say for me is I actually am having a really good time playing D&D, &D, but that's because I'm GMing it, not playing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's the only way I'm keeping, and I, I don't mean this to be a dig, but I'm, it's the only way I'm keeping myself entertained is because I'm running it and not having other people run it for me. Mm -hmm. That's that's an interesting... I Because I kind of am making my own fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> when things start getting stale... Who, like, things are getting stale. Okay, well, then I I guess I better change it up. Damn me, how dare I let that get stale? Yeah, well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, but that's that's a, a, a thing about it that I hadn't necessarily considered, you know, and, and I don't know that there's a good way to evaluate it, because I guess, too, does it, you know, is, is it a matter of the perspective you're looking at the story? story slash system from are you you know what yeah, i mean like i think it's i think it's how you're interacting with the world that exists for dungeons and dragons i think it's how you're interacting with the world of that particular session or that campaign and um that's interesting i mean you know it's it's one of those things where on a on a small scale we both get really bored with it because as a character in that world unless you're doing really high level like world encompassing things you're gonna sit there and be like i don't care i'm here to punch monsters mm -hmm. you need me to steal a thing i'll steal a thing for you like as as a player you're not thinking about the worldwide implications however as a gm you do think about the worldwide implications and then <laughs> yeah and then you implicate the, you know you you add those to what's going on just it, it's just a different perspective and i think that's why i'm entertained running it and not completely bored yeah i hadn't i haven't thought of it in that regard but i think you you've hit on something there where yeah it it could be a system that you find boring to play but because you're running it in a strange way you're you're more divorced from the system itself even though you kind of have to maintain the system you're not as beholden to it right i guess right yeah, you're you're not 
you're making the rules. It's <laughs> it's I, I, I'm sorry. I, I know that there are rules for the game. A lot of times I throw certain certain things just right out the window. I do not care that there is a carry weight on gold. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, like I get why it's there and I get the balancing purposes. But at the same time, for me, in my game, they're not going to ever need to actually use that gold. You know, like they're going to use it, but they're not going to be like, oh, man, we're really hurting for money. I've never really run a game that way. Yeah, I like to do bigger, grandiose things. Now, I could see myself having a lot of fun really running them strapped for cash, but I would need a team of like I would need at least two rogues. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. It would have to be sort of a heist type game, but that's not the game I'm running right now. Well, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That actually, that, okay, so let's let's follow that thought for a little bit here. So let's say, how do you, without it becoming either monotonous or miserable, because I think playing with the concept of scarcity, be it monetary or some other resource, is is a great thing, right? And then, yeah, but no, how I, do you, how do you continue to play with that without it either becoming, like I said, misery or monotony in my case? Um, <laughs> so let's just focus on the gold and, and Tyler, if you're listening, you, you probably caught this, but it's fine. Uh, I have one of my players that listens to the podcast now. So it's kind of funny. Um, I got to be careful about how I talk about the game. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, in my case, I let them amass a ton of wealth, a ton of gold, diamonds, gems, and then brought them to an area where that meant nothing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I basically went, okay, you guys left. You went to the astral plane. We established before you even left that time passes differently on the astral plane. You were gone for basically a hundred years and come back to a a world that is a paper money system that is I, I basically took them from I I I am transitioned them from a standard D D campaign. They went spell jamming and then they came back and now it's Eberron. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> so that's where that became. I was like this is going to be fun for me. And I've had a really good time because I've, I've just basically been like, well, screw you guys. You let me do whatever I want. I'm just going to run Eberron. Cause that's what I want. <laughs> um, which isn't a problem because they're like, Oh, it's still D and D and which is great. It lets me tell my weird, dumb noir story while it also being still D and D. So they still get their, you know, their fix. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I basically took, all of the money and all of the wealth they'd accumulated and chucked it out the window. And when it's not really worth anything anymore, and now they're in a bind, they're like, we have no money. We keep skipping out on bar tabs. The, the, the um, guards are after us. And they're basically in their airship floating around the city, trying to figure out what to do next because they did almost lose a fight to a bunch of guards because I threw a bunch of Warforged fighters at them. Um, <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> I just described them as Warforged. I let them figure out that they were like 
same as them level fighters. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to take his action surge. And they were like, he's going to do what now? <laughs> <laughs> but um, so that, though, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder to some of that, do, do we choose to, and I guess maybe this ties into what I was talking about of kind of unknown and discovery, right? Do we choose to find, like you said, that, that, that gold has a carry weight as annoying because we're not, or let's say most of us, okay, yes, we've all seen you know, movies where suitcases of cash and whatever, briefcases of cash, but... We're too far most, removed from uh, Most of us economy. in our reality yeah. are, are very far removed from the fact, uh, or from a state where your amount of wealth is a physical task to transport. Right. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. Um, <laughs> I think that's exactly, I think you're hitting on it. Um, well, because all my money is on a card, it weighs less than a pound. You know, it's, it, I don't have to think about how much my credit card weighs mm -hmm. and, and yeah. Okay. Maybe I do, like you said, maybe it is some of that, like, okay, well, I don't want to have to think about this because I don't think about this in real life. So I have no way of contextualizing it mm -hmm. simultaneously. I don't know. I feel like. It's just another hurdle for somebody to jump. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just another, it's just another dumb setback that I don't feel is absolutely necessary to tell the story. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's absolutely necessary to know that my player has 340 pounds of gold on them, even though they can't lift it. It's not absolutely necessary because the bigger scheme of things so maybe it's a world philosophy thing for me or whatever, but like to me, it's not about how much money you have. It's about what you do with it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for my players, I'm like, all right, you have 18 bajillion dollars. That's great. What are you going to do with it? Um, what do you, you know, are you going to help the orphanage or are you going to, you know, are you going to steal the orphanage? Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's more so about where I think the fun comes in for that game for me. But mm -hmm. again, it's also a worldview thing. It's also that like, and I'm not imposing that on anyone. I don't care what you do with your fake money in this imaginary game we're playing, mm -hmm. but it, it's more about like, for me, fake money in a game we're playing doesn't mean nothing if I don't have a story to go with it. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> like, if I didn't fight the dragon in the dragon's horde and then swoop my bag of holding through before we dipped, that don't mean nothing. Like, I, I oh, I, I found this 8,000 gold in that guy's pocket. Like, okay, well, you just murdered that dude and stole his money. Yeah. Good for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm not making a ton of sense, but no, no, I, no. I, I felt like it was. It, I get it. Like, but it is. And I think I wonder if, if some of it is that we, we kind of struggle with that because we, you know, short of, you know, going to the coin op laundry mat, how often are you carrying a volume of physical money? That's because even in, in modern weight, paper, currency, even paper bills. Yeah. Um, Paper bills don't start getting heavy until you're multiple thousands of dollars. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
you know, and well, I guess, you know, now probably coin off laundry mats are probably all running on your debit card or credit card Pretty or whatever. Much. But as I had to use one for a little while and it was, uh, yeah, you walked in, you got, they gave you a little like, uh, like a frequent flyer card mm-hmm. and you loaded that with the money you wanted to use for, um, you loaded that for the money you wanted to use for the laundry mat. And that was that, that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, 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 that's that's an interesting thing because that is something that I've yeah, occasionally mentally struggled with is the and and look I do it as a player too right where you just you have this gear that you keep writing down and oh I didn't remember I had that you know what I mean right and uh, did you ever see the MythBusters episode where they did that did what they were it, it was a MythBusters episode and it was specifically it might have even been Doom that they were talking about but. It was something, you know, one of the, you know, first-person shooter video games. And basically, can you carry all the different guns with you, or do the guns start weighing you down? Yeah, Mythbusters actually did an episode about that. I don't think I ever saw that. I'll have to try and find it. Sure, it's on I want to say it was later several seasons. Okay. All right. That Um, sounds fine. And it might even have been just, like, video game myths or something, because I remember them doing a thing... Because it would have been about the same time that Fruit Ninja was popular. Oh, they did like a Fruit Ninja. I remember that. I think it was I didn't the same remember episode. the gun thing. Yeah. Huh. Well, do you have any final thoughts on this subject? I, boy, I don't know. We kind of rambled a little bit, but I'd be curious to hear what everybody out there's dream games are, would be, you know, and just like, I'm not throwing any shade at anyone for, for whatever they would be or how they want to say it because no, no. I mean, you heard between us, you went very system specific where I'm more big concepts and, and themes. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and I'd be curious too, is, is it, you know, is your dream game different as a player than as a GM, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, um, my dream game as a GM or as a player, you mean, well, I'm no, sorry. I'm just saying in, like, in the grand scheme of things, not necessarily you specifically, because you kind of yeah. hinted that, yeah, they are and they aren't. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think I've I've said most of what I thought. Yeah, I think that's pretty much pretty much my thoughts on it. So let's go ahead and move into Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! All right, who's going first? I can go first. Uh, I have technically two. One's an honorable mention, and then one's a serious thing. Okay. Uh, the honorable mention is, for those of you that did not back the Kickstarter, Old Gods of Appalachia is out. Go get it. It's on drive through. Looks awesome. Oh, that's right. I got an email that I have to... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Get it. Um, the second thing is, also thanks to uh, the guy that plays in my game, Tyler. Calling you out, buddy. Beak, Feather, and Bone is a, a cooperative role-playing game. Um, it's a world-building tool as well as a competitive map labeling RPG. Uh, so in physical form, this game is amazing. You basically, you and um, he did it with one other person, but you could do it with, I think, a handful. Um, sit down and work your way through a 50 two card deck and you describe the beak, which is the reputation, the feather, the appearance, 
and the bone interior of buildings as you narrate who inhabitants emerges and make NPCs for just a map on the just a like a pre-made map. And each time it's a little different because each time, you know, you shuffle the deck of cards and it's a different experience. And it's just a really neat, really cool game. That does sound really interesting. It's all of $5 on DriveThruRPG. However, there is, and I don't know how to get it, there is a um, box that has basically all of their games. All of the, well, not all of the Possible Worlds games, but a bunch of those little little notebook-sized TTRPGs that they've made. Okay. And um, Tyler picked that up, and it was really awesome. And looking over what what they did with Beak, Feather, and Bone got me into it, and I actually picked up a copy on DriveThru. And uh, I'm going to run myself through that at some point, because it Mm -hmm. has variants for solo play. And just just see what comes out. But it's just a really neat, neat thing. Cool. Yeah, that does. That sounds really interesting. But that is mine. All right. Well, I'm going to go with something that came out uh, last year. Uh, and that's a game called Alter Ego Mania. Oh, I looked at this. It's a really cool game. This is from Pelgrane Press, uh, based in the gumshoe system, but it's specifically part of their one to one line, which is designed for one player, one GM. And uh, just to read their tagline for it, it says, The skies above New Olympus are patrolled by Cape Crusaders, but these superior beings are far from heroes. They wield their powers with reckless disregard, serving the interests of corporate overseers and silencing those who oppose their will. You are Clara Koenig, investigative journalist for The Pedestrian, a newspaper, and you intend to prove that the privileged superhuman elite do not yet hold a monopoly on justice. Sounds really, really fun. If I'm not mistaken, this was at least originally released exclusively in PDF, um, which will set you back 15 bucks. Um, <laughs> That's a hurt donut. <laughs> but kidding. I mean, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I don't know. At the same point, you can get it anywhere. Uh, it does say it comes with a bunch of printable problem and edge cards. Um, starter adventure, you know, I'm sure you can change. I, I kind of like the idea of the setting just to see, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. I don't know that, I mean, I might pick it up other than I have a huge pile of stuff like we talked about earlier, um, but I, it's very intriguing. Let's put it that way. Yeah. That's a really, I, I looked at that. It looks really cool. It's, it's very intriguing. You know, the one-on-one aspect of it is, is also really intriguing. You know, I'm sure you could kind of disassemble it and figure out a way to use it as inspiration for a not one-on-one game. But yeah, so I think, like I said, that's called Alter Ego Mania. It's all one word. Like usual, there'll be links for all everything uh, down in the show notes. You know, Game of the Week, etc. cetera. Uh, links for uh, PGX, which uh, we'll be at end of September, beginning of October. <laughs> Before too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be here before we know it. What else? I should actually get a, a another Patreon episode drop by the time this one is released. Ooh. Um, I actually got We're it fancy put together. Here. I just didn't get it put in the places where it needs to be to go to Patreon people. But thank yeah, you, no you people anyway. What else? 
I think it's everything. D20 Network, as always. And we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. In three, two, one. Welcome back to me and Steve Talk RPGs. Let me try that again without the mic squeak. <laughs> <clears throat> uh.